0: A reading from the book of Genesis. Jacob got up at night and took his two wives, his two maids, and his 11 children and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and likewise everything that he had. Jacob was left alone What is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then the man said, You shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with humans and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, Please tell me your name. But he said, Why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life is preserved. The sun rose upon him as he passed Peniel, limping because of his hip. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people.
1: The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Luke. Jesus told the disciples a parable about their need to pray always and not to lose heart. He said, I will grant her justice, that so she may not wear me out by continually coming. The Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says, and will not God grant justice to his chosen ones who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long in helping them? I tell you, he will quickly grant justice to them. And yet when the Son of Man comes, Will he find faith on earth? The Gospel of our Lord. Praise you, Lord Christ.
2: May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Such great stories from scripture this morning and so many great things to talk about. It's really hard to know where to start. So I think I'll start with a bit of wisdom from an uncommon source, a little known late 20th century theologian, sometimes known as the former world heavyweight boxing champion Mike Tyson, (laughs) who said, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. I'm pretty sure that Mike, Iron Mike, was talking about his opponents who all came up with some plan or another at the very least to prevent themselves from getting decked and maybe if they were really ambitious from figuring out how to knock out Mike Tyson. But what Mike had to say was all of your plans are for naught because eventually I will punch you in the face and put an end to your plans. So Mike's talking about the boxing ring, but the reason that I bring him up this morning is because I think that applies to life as well. We all have our plans, but every once in a while, life punches us in the face. When that happens, what are we going to do? After the 8 o'clock service this morning, one parishioner who left said, the other thing about Mike Tyson is, If he knocks you down, it's really better just to stay down. (laughs) Because if you get up, he's just going to knock you down again. But that's not what we're supposed to do when life punches us in the face. Like many church people, and like really very many clergy, I am a fundamentally conflict-averse person. I have a tendency to avoid conflict. And I have tried my best to understand where this tendency might come from. Perhaps it has something to do with having grown up in an alcoholic household in which conflict was never healthily expressed. It might also have something to do do with having had an older brother who was something of an expert at guerrilla warfare. Um, In any event, I've lately concluded having my own children and seeing how they are When you have your own kids, you see something of yourself in them. And I know for a fact that my wife and I are providing a very different kind of household for our children. And that in particular, my older son is a really excellent and sweet older brother to my younger son. Despite all those conditions, which are the diametrical opposite of my own childhood conditions, my younger son is also intensely conflict averse. Um, So maybe it's just our nature. Maybe it's just the way some of us are. I was driving him to his soccer game yesterday morning, and from the back of the car he said, Dad, I really don't like challenges. (laughs) And I've watched him on the playing field, and his strategy in the soccer game is essentially to avoid the ball. And early on in the season, he, 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 uh, that strategy expressed itself in, in terms of him just basically hanging way back around his own goal. And after the first game, I said, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm just p- protecting the goal. I'm staying back to protect the goal. And I said, yeah, but your teammates on the other end of the field, are, they're missing you. They're basically down one player because you're all the way back there. You need to be with your teammates. They need your help. He said, okay. So now he stays with his teammates, but when the ball comes his way, he does this kind of like flanking maneuver. (laughs) He keeps an eye on the ball, but mainly so he knows where to go to get away from it. So look, there are just some people that are conflict-averse. It's how it is. The church, for its part, has really cultivated this as a virtue, which I think is a problem. When you talk to people about what they get out of church or why they go to church, A lot of people talk about things like peace, tranquility, the church cultivates uh, membership in the church as something that gives you these things, not to mention a sense of safety and security. All these things are important, but they're not the whole story. They're not really the whole story, and they're not a complete picture of what a faithful life looks like. Because if we look at the stories from the Bible, especially including today's story about Jacob, and pretty much anything to do with Jesus he puts a lot more emphasis on the idea that a faithful life is one that engages creatively in conflict to produce a good outcome. So that avoiding conflict is really an absence of faith. At the the end of the story of the unjust judge and the, the pestering widow, he says, even God will eventually dispense justice if we pray enough, but when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith? In other words, will he find people engaging in a righteous struggle for a good outcome? If Jesus comes and finds everybody sitting quietly in church and just hoping everything is nice, and just, please don't anybody talk to me, and maybe that's what peace is supposed to look like, not that's not faithful. Now, for the last two and a half years, those of you who have been coming and have been hearing me preach are... Know that I never tire of talking about it. Um, I've made a change in my life, and about a little over two and a half years ago, I started uh, taking classes in a form of Brazilian martial art called capoeira, which is essentially sustained conflict. Um, and so I, I started taking those classes because I wanted a fun way to stay in shape, and it really is a lot of fun, and you don't need anything to do it, you just need your body and some other people to play with. So it's really great for that. I recommend it. But what I didn't quite know, and what has become probably even more important for me about it, is that it is a way of encountering myself in an experience of conflict that I can't avoid. In fact, I am encouraged to participate in. In fact, if you don't participate, you're not actually doing what you're there to do. And it's... uh, So routinely, in practicing capoeira, one... Uh, is kicked, Uh, sometimes in the body, sometimes in the head. (laughs) I haven't yet been kicked in the face, but that will happen someday. So I'm offering another bit of wisdom about what it means to participate in a faith community that comes from one of my Capoeira teachers who I was playing with one day, and he moved in a way that I didn't see coming. He surprised me and aimed a kick right at my head, And I moved just in time, and he pulled back just in time, and he didn't actually make contact. But we talked about it later, and he said, look, getting kicked in the face is part of capoeira. Now, he said, there are people who have been playing capoeira for 12, 15 years, and they've never been kicked in the face. And you know what? They play like they've never been kicked in the face. It's not that bad, and you can recover, and the game goes on. In other words, this teacher knows what to do. His plan has not been disrupted when he gets, in this case, kicked in the face. That is a faithful person. That is a person who is alive to the possibility of conflict that produces a good outcome. He's not afraid of conflict. So I'm learning a lot from him and from them. So I'm offering all of these images today partly because I want to encourage in us a sense that what it means to participate in our religious tradition is that we are engaged not in seeking peace as an end in itself, but that God and Jesus give us peace, which is confidence in their love for us, so that we can have courage to fight a righteous struggle because the world needs a righteous struggle. The world needs people who will engage creatively in conflict to produce a good outcome. Think of the story of the widow and the judge. The widow is essentially a person with zero power in the ancient world. She has no advocate. She has no standing authority. The judge has all the power. And yet, by her, by her perseverance... She affects justice. She brings about a good outcome because she won't give up. This is a picture of what it means to live a faithful life. So Jesus offers us this picture and then says, hey, will there be any such faith on earth? So it's encouragement to all of us to remain faithful in a sense that is active and engaged with our lives and with the world and not to let our plans fall apart just because life punched us in the face. The other reason that I'm offering you this image of struggle and sustained conflict is because I'm supposed to talk to you today about stewardship. (laughs) (laughs) And I actually can't think of many better examples in the life of the church of what it means to engage in sustained conflict than to have to give money to the church. Because every time I do it, it takes effort. Every time I decide how much I'm going to pledge or tithe or contribute to the financial picture of the church, it's a struggle. And to be parted from my money, sometimes it feels like you'd have to punch me in the face to get it away from me. Stewardship is the word that we use uh, principally to describe our efforts to take care of our church business to have enough money in our bank account to be able to pay salaries and for programs and to keep our physical plant in good shape and for the coming year for 2014 we've we've called this effort our annual fund because that's something that actually just makes a little more concrete sense but stewardship in the larger sense is also the question of how we gather preserve and employ all of our resources to make the best life for ourselves and for our communities. So it's an umbrella term that has everything to do with uh, everything from how we care for our bodies and our spirits and our minds and how we care for our neighbors and our friends and how we participate in our democracy. But in church it means what kind of an agreement are we going to make? What kind of a commitment are we going to make with one another about how we preserve and sustain this community and this institution so that it's, so that it's around for another 106 years? And I offer this uh, partly in connection to the story of Jacob, who struggled all night with God, and whose hip was broken in the process, and who limped for the rest of his life, as a result of his encounter with God, which transformed him. He got a new name and a new way of walking. So we, when we meet God, it changes us. But what the story we heard this morning doesn't tell us is that after that day, what did Jacob do in that place where he met God and was changed? He built an altar. After, God, after Jacob met God and was changed, he built an altar to God in that place. In other words, he contributed effort and resources and time to commemorate his experience of transformation so that others may also join in in that experience of meeting God and being changed and giving thanks. In fact, Jacob's story, everywhere he goes, he builds altars. He was like a little church planter traveling around the Middle East, building altars and raising up high places. So following Jacob's example, let us struggle with our uh, faith. Let us struggle with God. Let us persevere despite getting punched in the face. And let us build up altars so that others can also come and join in the righteous struggle for a good outcome. So when your friends say to you, why do you go to church? You can say, well, because I had a plan. And then I got punched in the face. And I'm thankful to God. And so I give. Amen.